0: Colossians chapter 3. In Colossians chapter 3, I'm going to um, continue this morning. I think it's the third part in this message entitled, From Above. From Above." And <clears throat> there are seven truths that I'm sharing with you from above. And uh, this morning, we're going to pick up where we left off last week. And our Featured text is Colossians chapter 3, the first three verses. And if you're following along, beginning in verse 1, if then you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things, everyone say it, above. Above. Keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, above, not on things above, that are on the earth, for you have died, and grab this phrase, your life is hidden with Christ in God. Or in other words, your life is seated with Christ above. So just let's review a couple things that we've said so far. <clears throat> Reality. Reality is an important word today because our society is exploring gone off the reservation, looking and exploring for what is real, what is truth. And so reality is pretty important. Reality is what is. Reality isn't something that that you invent with your mind. Reality is something that you discover. But it is, just like God said to Moses when Moses said, Well, who are you? God said, I am who I am. And so the I am says what is, and and that's called reality. Now, reality stretches across two worlds. The spirit world, which is the domain of God, and the physical world, which is the domain of man. God created man to be the steward over the physical world. You remember that God said to Adam when he created him, he said, rule and have dominion over the earth. So the physical domain of the earth, was created for man in fellowship with God to exercise dominion, just as God exercises dominion over all things. But when men joined Satan in a rebellion against God, that relationship was broken, and it separated the physical world, which the Bible refers to as beneath, from the domain of God, which is what the Bible calls above. So above is the domain of God, beneath is the domain of man and now the domain of Satan and man combined in this confederation of rebellion against God. So that relationship was broken. So then mankind, stripped of his awareness of above, where he had access and flow with God, he's fallen into a state that could probably be correctly described as existence in search of life. That really characterizes mankind. All the songs, all the poets through the centuries, and just people as they rise and go about their day every day, what is the one thing above everything that people are looking for? People use terms like fulfillment, happiness, but what they're really looking for is they're looking for life. It's the thing that they lost. It's the essential that's lost. And so man fell from life into existence. We simply exist, we just haven't fallen over yet, so we kind of exist in a dead state looking for life. Now, Jesus, when when God came into the world as Jesus Christ, he came to restore that broken bridge, to bridge that that gap, that cavern between above and beneath, between God and man, and um, to bring back that unity between above and beneath, because the earth, or the physical domain that God created as a domain for man, was in its perfect state created as a territory of above, if you will, just like um, Puerto Rico is a territory of the United States. Um, Beneath, or the world, was a territory of the kingdom of God until they broke off in rebellion. Now that we have been born again, God's given us new life, He's lifted us up, and the scripture that we opened up with in Colossians says we are seated with Him Above. So now we are citizens of above, and now that we live from above, the Holy Spirit is always, and this is the purpose of this message, the Holy Spirit is always trying to pull upon our hearts so that we live from where our life is. Wouldn't that be an awesome thing? If we lived from where our life is, rather than trying to squeeze life, out of our existence? Just something to think about. So there are seven truths from above that have to do with that that bringing back together the separation between beneath and above and healing. And these seven truths are designed to cause us to do exactly that as the Holy Spirit is always drawing us, and that is to live where our life is. And so I shared, I think, four of them last week, and I'll quickly just mention them. The first four are, number one, reality begins with a person, not an environment. When you think about above, don't think of the coordinates of a location, but think about the authority of God. Reality is centered not in an environment, but in a person. That's why people... Um, are so desperately missing, and they are exhibiting, missing that fact today, and exhibiting how disconnected from reality they are as they fret and struggle over environment, and yet they themselves are dead. They're the thing that is really in trouble. So at any rate, reality begins with a person, not an environment. When you think of above, rather than trying to figure out where's heaven, Think about God and His authority, because that is what above is. Number two, we shared last week, live from above. Live your life from above, not from beneath. It's relationship, not religion. Religion is the view of God from beneath. Relationship is the view of life from the throne of God. So live from above. As a child of God, you're so much more than simply a forgiven sinner, You're a new species, something new that has never walked the earth before. You are what the Bible calls a new creation in Christ. And you have a new citizenship. You are a citizen of above, and that citizenship furnishes you with access privileges to Jesus' inheritance. As it says in James 1, we shared last week, every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father. Number three in order to live above, in order to live above, you must learn above. If you're going to relocate to a city or a town, what are the first things you concern yourself with? Where are the locations? Where are the schools for my kids? Where's my job at? Where do we shop at? Learn the environment that you live in. Well, if our life has been hid with Christ and God, we ought to be learning above. We ought to be learning about the domain, the authority of God. If you learn about the authority of God, you'll learn everything you need to know about heaven. It's called above. So to live above, you must learn above. We said last week that if you only use the world's wisdom, you'll always end up ruled by the world. Simple. But you should think about that because it's an inescapable fact of reality. Now, if you learn from the world, uh, if you learn, excuse me, the Word of God, through the Word of God, if you learn about above, then you'll live in the benefits of above, rather than living always a captive of the world, because that's the wisdom that you always train yourself in. And the final one from last week in review, number four, stay single-minded, if you want to remain above. You cannot remain above if you're double-minded. You must remain single-minded. Deuteronomy 28:13, God said to his people, you shall be above only, and you shall not be beneath. So God tells us that we should be above only for a very specific reason, and it's because oscillating between beneath and above causes you to forfeit the privileges of your heavenly identity and sink into your trials. And so we don't want to be double-minded. We want to be single-minded, live only above. So God's pretty emphatic about above and about us taking seriously the fact that we are seated with Christ in heaven. We ought to be living from above, learning above. I want to go this morning to the next one, number five. And I think I'm just going to spend the message this morning dealing with number five because it's so elementary, so critical, and that is, from above, you overcome the trials that you can't solve. You overcome the trials, the battles, the fights that you can't win, that you can't solve, the problems you can't work out can be overcome, but only from above. And John chapter three, verse 31, says, he that comes from above is above all. What a power-filled statement. He or she who comes from above is above all. When you come at life's challenges, rather than charging and attacking from beneath, fighting the world with the world, trying to solve the world with the world's wisdom, If you learn how to come from above, you'll come from a place that says you are above all things. There's nothing that you're not above when you come from above. So number five that we're gonna deal with this morning is from above you overcome the trials that you cannot solve. Now overcoming trials. Overcoming trials begins with the orientation of your faith. Having faith is not enough. You really have to learn what faith is. And the first thing you have to learn is that there's a right and a wrong orientation. Faith won't work if you use the wrong end. You have to look through the right end of the telescope. Does that make sense to you? So we tend to use our faith to try to find or locate answers and solutions to our problems. Most people, most Christians, let's just keep it, to, keep it to believers, most Christians believe that their faith is for the purpose of finding solutions and finding answers. That's what we use faith for when we pray, is to try to find those, those solutions to our problems. But that's not the primary purpose of your faith. The primary purpose of your faith is not to find answers, but to find yourself. Faith is not for the purpose of locating where your answers are. The most important purpose of your faith is to locate where you are. Faith, like I said before, is like a heavenly telescope. You must look through the right end and That telescope is a heavenly telescope, which means it's mounted in heaven. It's not mounted on the earth. The faith that the Bible speaks of is mounted in heaven. Get that in your mind. And so because of it, it's aimed at the earth. It's looking upon the earth from above. That is faith. It's looking upon the earth from the seat of God's authority, So we ask ourselves when we deal with faith, when we think about our faith, am I trying to see above from beneath, or am I looking at beneath from above? Most of the time, Christians are beneath, stuck in their circumstances, embroiled in their troubles and their trials, grabbing the... Big fat end of that telescope of faith, looking, trying to find God. Where's God in my situation? Looking. And you know, when you look through the wrong end of a scope, everything's tiny. You can't even figure it out. You can't, you can't. When you look through the right end of the scope, right, Danny? That, everything, it's there. You can see every pimple on their face. So, Am I using faith from beneath, trying to look above? Or am I from above, looking at my circumstances? That's the picture you want to have of faith. First John chapter five verse four says, "For everyone who has been born of God, that is important, because we ended up above in Christ through a new birth. We were born. Reborn into a heavenly citizenship. So everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, your faith. That's exactly what it says. This is the victory that overcomes the world, your faith. Now remember, the world is going to present you throughout your lifetime with trials and challenges, most of which you will never solve. There are no solutions, permanent solutions. You may temporarily move yourself, reposition yourself, rearrange circumstances, but, oh, the Lord must be calling me. He's calling me from a place called Spam, I don't. So, okay, I apologize for the interruption. Um, so everyone who is born of God overcomes the world, and the victory that overcomes the world is your faith. Faith is absolutely pivotal. It is the means by which we overcome from above. In fact, it is the thing that ties above and beneath together. So when your faith is properly oriented from above, you're not trying to see God you're looking with God. Do you understand the difference? Too many people use their faith to try to see God. But the way that you see God is something I'm going to be sharing about either next week or the the following week after having to do with God's love in our life. So God has sent the Holy Spirit into our life. We are seated with him. The thing that we need to see is ourselves. Where am I? Where am I seated? Where is my citizenship? So faith is oriented from above. And when you are using faith properly, you're not trying to see God. You're looking with God. Heaven isn't just where you're going. Heaven's where you're coming from. You know, people will ask you all the time, where are you coming from, man? And what they're asking is, they're saying, well, what is the reality? What is the thought right now as you are speaking to me, where are you coming from? What is it? Well, heaven isn't where we're trying to get. Heaven is where we are coming from. So God installed his faith in you when you were born again. That's where it came from. Now, a lot of you came to the Lord having been raised in some kind of exposure to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so maybe coming to the Lord and hitting that point where you become born again might have been part of a process that happened over the years. Maybe it happened in your early years. Maybe it happened in your teen years. Perhaps later when you were adult and there was a dramatic point where you you had that crossover experience and you were born again. The Holy Spirit entered your life. In my case, it was a very, very dramatic from darkness to light because I was an orthodox atheist before I got saved. So I didn't believe that there was a God. And in a in about a 60 second period of time, I went from darkness to light, from hell to heaven, from being a complete unbeliever in God to knowing Him and receiving Him that fast. It was so dramatic. So, when I became born again, just like when you became born again, it happened because when we came to Him as sinners and said, Lord, I need a Savior when He forgave us and came instantly into our life and sent the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the first thing He did when He came into your life and forgave you ever since was installed something in you that you didn't have. He installed an operating system in you that didn't previously exist, and it's called faith. Everyone who is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, even your faith. Your believe or believe-ology, if you have Oprah faith, you know, your truth, my truth, uh, you'll never, ever see above with beliefism with worldly beliefs. God gave us the faith that places us above and helps us to see life through that properly oriented telescope, and we see it from God's perspective. So, instantly I was made aware my being was permeated with a thing that I know I didn't have before called faith. I just believed. I became convinced that convincing experience God simply installed in me so that for the rest of my life there's nothing I could see or experience or a person that I could encounter that could take away, separate me from his love, or convince me otherwise. When you know Him, you know Him. God installs that faith in you. Praise the Lord, isn't that awesome? So God installed faith in you at the new birth when you were born again. Your faith that God has given you was birthed from above. It was not birthed from the knowledge, from the logic, the reasoning of man. It was birthed by the Holy Spirit from above. That's where it came from. That's where it resides though it operates down here in the earth. So, your faith was born from above, and that's why your faith is always working to place you there. It it works like a great heavenly homing signal with the purpose of positioning you above. And that's why I said the true purpose of faith isn't trying to find the answer, it's trying to find you. It's trying to put you where you belong. Your faith is always saying to you, hey, girl, you belong up here. This is where your life is from. And when you start praising God and you start remembering his word and you let faith move and stir within your heart, what happens? There is an awakening. And all of a sudden, the things that God has said become absolutely convincing and you understand, I'm now looking through the telescope of faith, My, my, that problem that was so huge, I'm looking at it from above and you're seeing the Lord's victory over that thing. So, um, by faith, living from above, it's how you overcome what is impossible in the world. The faith that God installed in you when you were born again will only function from above. There is a difference between above and beneath. Moses was told by God, tell my people, only live from above, don't live from beneath. Your faith will not work beneath. Many people go through the motions of faith. They even parrot and repeat the scriptures trying to believe, but what they're operating in is not the faith that the Bible talks about. They're operating in believology, believism, the human desperate effort to try to believe. The first thing that's got to happen before faith will awaken and actually operate is you have to awake in your heart, in your mind, your conscience to where you are in Christ. The moment you fit in the slot and that thing is engaged, the door opens up, and you realize I'm seated with Christ. Faith is not a hard thing. It just flows. It's powerful, and it's effortless. So, faith will not work from beneath. It only works from above. So, God installed that faith in you, it only operates above, it doesn't operate from beneath. I'd like to share with you a little story out of Romans 8. I've shared it with you many times before, but just, just, just there probably isn't too many stories in the Bible that more perfectly illustrate this point, point. and it's the story of Abraham. It's recorded in Romans chapter 8. I'm going to focus in on verse 18 specifically and, and the next verses after, but you know the story how that Abraham, when he's 75 years old, they have no children. His wife is barren. She can't have children. And so he's 75, and she is 66 years old. There's about nine, difference, nine years difference between them. So they're well past childbearing years, and God meets with Abraham and makes a covenant with him. And so that Abraham knows that God is serious, and that God intends to fulfill what he said. He said, You are going to become the father of a multitude of nations. Now, he doesn't have a single child, so this is amazing. How is this going to happen? I don't have any children. But Abraham believes God. Abraham received the word that God spoke to him, and it relocated him. It changed the way he thought. It informed everything he did. And God, to help him with that reformation inside his thinking, changed his name from Abram, which means exalted father, to Abraham, which means father of a multitude. So God enhances his name and gives him a name that's commensurate with the vision and the word and the promise. Abraham held onto that promise for 25 years. For the next 25 years, from 75 years old to 100 years old, During those 25 years, he keeps believing, I am Abraham. I am going to father a multitude of nations, out of which will come the Messiah. And God later on has subsequently shown Abraham that that Lamb of God, the Messiah, who will come. So I want you to understand, Abraham is really operating in faith. For 25 years, he will not budge he will not think differently. He thinks only from above. He sees life from above. He's not looking at his wife's barrenness. He's not looking at the circumstances and and trying to see how he can make it work. Well, I guess he he did a couple of times. They tried to make it work with with Sarah's handmaiden and everything, but he quickly adjusted, got himself straightened out. So we we do have occasional little blips like that, but you want to stay on course, that's what faith is for. So here's this verse in Romans, and it talks about this whole thing that Abraham goes through and the faith that he's operating with. It says, in hope, Abraham believed against hope that he might become the father of many nations, just as God had said to him, so shall your offspring be. Now, don't Go past that phrase too quickly. The Bible says that against hope Abraham believed so that he might become. God is concerned with your becoming. While we want to use our faith to try to find the answers to a problem, God's greatest concern about our faith is our becoming. The devil doesn't fight your being, he fights your becoming. He doesn't want you to get to the next step. He doesn't want you to enter into what God has spoken for you, and he knows that if you start thinking and speaking from above, you absolutely will be unstoppable. There's nothing he can fight faith with. Satan has no weapon against the faith that I'm preaching about this morning. And so he goes on to say, Abraham did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Now, there's an important key. You can feed faith by being a praiser of God specifically, specifically with regard to the promise that He's made to you. How many of you go around during the day praising out of your mouth God specifically for the promise that He's made to you? We do go around during the day talking about and editorializing and reporting and and uh, commenting on the problems that we have. We, uh, it's ridiculous, but even sometimes our prayer and intercession meetings are more doubt-filled than they are faith-filled because we get together, spend more time talking about the problem. It's like a holy gossip session. And we come together and the graphicness with which we talk about the dilemma that this one's going through and the problem. Now, I understand if we're going to pray, we need to know what we're praying for, but how many of you realize that God knows all the details You're not informing him. You're not lawyering up before the throne of heaven. God already knows, and there's already a lawyer, an advocate, who's already pleaded every case. His name is Jesus, rose from the dead, paid that penalty, and is victorious. So we don't need any more lawyers. So even when we come together to pray, we spend more time focusing and talking about what's wrong rather than building one another up and speaking about the promises of God. So notice that Abraham grew stronger in his faith as he gave glory to God for what God had said. It is amazing, Abraham didn't have one of these. Abraham had a few words, but he knew God had spoken them to him. And his heart clung to them, and his mouth repeated them. Out of his mouth, Abraham gave glory. The Bible says it doesn't give us specific scenes or evidence, but it tells us that he gave glory to God. So Abraham went around during his day thanking God that he was going to be the father of the nation that would bring forth the Messiah. And we know that that absolutely came to pass, absolutely was fulfilled. Why did it come to pass? Did it come to pass because God wanted it to? Yes. But it also came to pass because Abraham allowed it to happen by cooperating with God. Abraham's faith united him with God. God's going to do things in the earth that he wants to do. The question is, are you going to be a part of it? What about what he wants to do in your life? is that going to come to pass? If you don't start praising God, if you don't learn to start operating in faith, situating yourself at the right end of that telescope up in heavenly places, looking from above, and by the way, when you look from God's perspective at the problems in the world, you can't shut up praising God. I can always tell when people don't spend any time in the Word, meditating and thinking about the promises of God, because when it comes time to praise God, you just about have to pay them to get them to open up their mouth and praise God. There's no no praise there. There's nothing automatic. There's nothing stirring. Praise, flow. if you notice in the book of Acts, when the Holy Ghost fell on the day of Pentecost, couldn't shut those guys up. You could put a cork in that if you tried. They were overflowing, and Jesus warned. He said, this is going to happen. He said, when the Holy Ghost hits you, it's going to be like a river of living water springing up to everlasting life. So God is trying to cut the cords of uh, fear and doubt and All of those things, you know, you've almost got a Ph.D. on your own problem, about your own problems. Many of you have taken graduate courses in what's wrong with you. And you still don't know who you really are and where your life has really come from. That is pathetic. And that's why we don't have more Christians overcoming the world. Those guys in the book of Acts, yes, they went through trials. Yes, they were persecuted. Those men and women, overcame because they had a PhD that they gained through observing through the telescope of faith what God had said. Every time issues and problems jumped up, the answers flew out of their mouth. They grew strong, giving praise to God. Do you know the Bible says that throughout Acts, there's two specific places where it says that the kingdom of God and the and. Um, the church multiplied because the Word prevailed. So, mightily grew the Word of God, it says, and prevailed. The only thing in this world that's going to prevail so far as the kingdom comes is that telescope of faith looking upon the Word of God. So, I suggest that if you spent years getting a PhD in your own problems, today's a good time to start to work on that Ph.D. in who you are in Jesus Christ. And I remember many years ago back in the 80s, I would get up. We, our church met for five years at Yale University. Talk about, you know, a bunch of thinkers. That was a place that was filled with a bunch of thinkers. We had a whole bunch of them in our church. Lots of students and professors from the med school, from the seminary school, and various other schools. But those two seemed to furnish us with the most of our members. And the thing is that <clears throat> I began to preach what you're hearing this morning. And I just kept hammering it month after month, year after year. And our worship leader one day was just getting sick of hearing it. I would get up there and I'd say, open your Bible to Mark 11, 23. Whosoever shall say to this mountain, and, oh, here we go again, another one of those messages about above and about faith and all of this stuff. And uh, <laughs> he actually said to me, he said, uh, he said, my God, he said, um, t- t- preach something else. You know, he said, but this message is running out our ears. I said, yeah, well, when it starts running out your mouth, I'll preach something else. So, you know, obviously, we, we just haven't really hit, uh, you know, quantum n- uh, uh, um, maxed out that message yet. Because if we did, it'd be coming out your mouth. Praise the Lord. So, at any rate, that's the story of Abraham. And I want you to think of yourself. Because God has spoken to you, He's raised you up in Christ, He's seated you, seated you with Him in the heavenly places. And. Um, He has things He wants to show you, but you have to look through the correct and rightly oriented end of the telescope for it to be, other than believism, to be real, genuine faith. So when you remain singularly focused on what God has said, what He's promised you from above, and you continuously celebrate it, guess what? God's going to cause you to overcome the things that defeat you in the world. The world will not be able to defeat you. Attack you, yes. Defeat you, no. So this is why the Holy Spirit, I want to bring this to a close so that we could pray and act on this message this morning. This is why the Holy Spirit, when you're born again, the Holy Spirit enters your life. Do you know why He's there? Somebody said, well, to make me feel victorious. No, feeling victorious isn't going to help. If a thief's kicking in your front door and robbing your house, feeling safe isn't going to make you safe. So you need the thief to be kicked back out the front door of your house and re-secure yourself. Faith does that. Beliefs, no. But faith will do that. This is the victory, the Scripture says, that overcomes the world, even our faith. Remember this point, five, is all about faith from above Helps you to overcome trials that you cannot solve. So the Holy Spirit is in you for what purpose? To constantly urge you to focus through that telescope above and see life. Live there and look through that telescope. I'll close with this one verse. We all know it. It's Psalm 91, verse 1. He who dwells in the shelter from above will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Let me say it one more time. He who dwells in the shelter from above will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. God wants to cast His great shadow of favor over your life. He wants to extend it over your house. He wants to extend it over the trials and the circumstance and even the violence of this world, when it comes to touch you, God wants you standing in a place where His shadow is overshadowing you. When financial disaster strikes, I think of those poor people who lost their homes in in, in the recent uh, storm, Ian and We live with this in Florida all the time. We know people who've just lost everything. And you think about it, what a gut punch. You think, how could I go on? What what if I, if that happened to me, what would I do? What if a loved one died? What if I lost my spouse? What, What if, what if all of a sudden, all of my bank accounts and savings and investments were totally drained? What if something happened and I lost a limb? I mean, I'm thinking about the things that happen to people in life. Could I go on? How would I face another day? How would I overcome? Would I limp the rest of my life, through life, emotionally, mentally, half beaten down by the circumstances that broadsided me? Would I be able to recover and get up and march on in victory, lay hold of God's purpose, and be victorious in this life? The answer is you could be the latter. You could be that person, no matter what you go through in life, that becomes a great influencer for the kingdom of God. And that's what this message is all about. It's learning to locate your faith from above, because just as faith turned Abram into Abraham, so God wants to position you in Christ so that His shadow Can move over your life, and everything you encounter gets brought under the shadow of the Almighty. The devil does not like being drugged under the shadow of the Almighty. (laughs) He can't, he's paralyzed there. He flees from that place. So I believe that there are people here this morning, probably all of us, I'm just gonna guess that God has a purpose in your life, that He wants you in that driver's seat. Nobody is going to be able to get in the driver's seat in your life and make your life become what it's intended to be but you. God has authorized you to sit in the driver's seat. You need to get above. You need to hear this word, and you need to walk in it. It can start simply by allowing the Lord to move through the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Nothing awakens faith and makes it alive like the anointing, the presence, the impact of the Holy Spirit. On the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Ghost fell, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, began to prophesy and speak in other tongues, and the supernatural power of God began to manifest through their life. From that moment on, those people, men, women, and children, walked in tremendous authority, great revelation. Before that time, not so much. They were afraid, hiding out, wondering, how's, this? how's all this going to work out? Believing in Jesus, but from the shadows. The baptism in the Holy Spirit thrust them right out into the light. Man, they weren't afraid of anything. Why? Because they were above looking at things from God's perspective. That's where the excitement is. That's where the living is. Hallelujah.